Lucas Tigers and Bronze is brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. HGA is revolutionizing the industry by implementing software that will allow them to scan, analyze, and grade cards without subjectivity. This allows for consistent and unbiased grading. They have an easy submission process and best-in-class customer service. Their pricing model is simple. Pay by the day, not by the value of the card. And when they say 10 business days, they mean 10 business days. It is a monumental occasion here, folks. Monumental. One, because I get to do the intro. I guess, whatever. Ho-hum. You know, he thought I was saying monumental about him. <laughs> but it's, there's nothing special about this guy at all. It's really just that I get to chat, and I don't get to hold, like, I don't have to interrupt Andrew. And he get mad and butthurt about me interrupting his intro. Because I get to do the intro myself. But no, folks. Monumental. Four. 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 Hold it up. Four. Not three, not two, not one, but four. Hold it up like that. Four. West side. Four-time champ. Rips. The kid's been on four times. No one else. There four times. Fourth time for Rips. How many? I think it's four. Okay. We, we got we to gotta have Rips on, right? We got to have Rips as part of the 10 for 10. What, what, what good is 20 for 10? I think we would have to call it now because this is the second 10 for 10. What good is 20 for 10 if we don't have Rips on? The kid is he's a wonder kid. He's a wonder kid. You know, he invests in only winners. He does not have a loser in his portfolio. And if we're going to talk about the show, what better way than to bring you an 18-year-old kid, got a table at the show, making mega deals, to bring you what he thought from the eyes of a collector, from the eyes of a dealer, from all angles of the national. So without further ado, 90 seconds in, rips, welcome. The 10 for 10 with Luca Nation. We're happy to have you. Thank you very much. Cajun and Andrew are my ultimate hype men. And I don't know, I should bring you, if, I should bring you to like a bar with me. Nice wingman, hype me up. That's um, it. Well, you, he's Cage. He's not a kid anymore. When we first had him on uh, last year, we had him on August 2020. So about a year ago today. Still a high school student, right? Under, under 18 years old, can't even sign contracts. Now you're 18 and in college. So not a kid anymore. Grown's up. You're all grown up and you're all grown up. Can't go, can't go to bars, but I can legally drive now. 18. What else can you do? Can You, you can play the lotto. R-rated kind movies. Of, kind of been doing that for a long time anyway with cards. Very true. You know? R-rated, R-rated movie is the 18 landmark milestone. Rips, last year we had you on and you famously put that Trey Young net over your head. <laughs> You know, everyone was zigging, you were zagging. This time last year, it seems like it's years ago, Luca base prism was hitting 2000 bucks. And Rips famously said, you know, while people are looking for that, I'm looking for vintage and game-worn memorabilia. If there's one person that I could talk to and always feel that you have an opinion and a take on the market and where it's going, it's you. So if we leave National, you know, here we are three weeks after, what are you looking at? Like, what's the market telling you? What? Mind sharing? Yeah, it's everything changes very quickly. Um, I think it's generally in a good spot. People aren't as hectic as they were a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago saying everything, the sky's falling and, you know, sell everything. The market's crashing. All these prices are too low. And we're not at crazy highs where everyone's, you know, 
unsure of if they should sell or keep. Like, I think it's in a healthier spot now than we've been in the past many months. Um, I feel more confident in cards than I did a couple months ago. Um, and when things were crazy high within the last year or so, like it was, we're in like a, we're at a not too high and a not too low point. And I think it's pretty nice because we haven't seen it in a while. Not too high, not too low. I think what he's looking for is this. You were right again. You're always right. You have no losers. You know, you, you know what you're doing. Um, you know, Stop you never invested. Up like that because he has some losers. Never invested in Otto Porter. We're not, we're just going to keep that quiet. But the winners, you were saying don't put your $2,000 in the Luca base cards. Buy memorabilia. And here we are a year later, and the Luca base cards are worth a fraction of what they were. And people are talking about grading memorabilia now. Most of the auction houses are looking for ways to get more exposure to memorabilia. And you've got, you know, Zion's workout pants, you know, that you tried on and you fit in them, which is just amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, but I guess what Andrew's looking for is, you know, he wants the Southern Oracle here from the never-ending story. He wants the future. He wants he wants the inside baseball for our audience. He doesn't want to say, oh, no, the prices are too high and they are too low. And oh yes, I graduated high school. No, he wants to hear the inside am I, scoop. Am I, am I a British 12-year-old girl now? I don't know if that was British. I, but yes, yes. I do, you as a 12, you're a 12-year-old British girl. Until you answer, what's next, pal? What is next? Where are we putting our money? Give Luke and Nation the inside dope, right? We're not buying the Nets. We're not buying well, not the Brooklyn Nets or the Trey Young Nets. But where are they putting their money? Or should they go back to base cards? Is the pendulum going to swing back to those Luca base cards and those are going to move back up? I mean, if you say NFTs, you're going to get some hate DMs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, look, I still am bullish on what I've thought in the past. I mean, personally, I haven't been making as many moves in the last couple months as I were prior. Um, I really, I still do like memorabilia a lot. I think it has a higher ceiling. I still love vintage basketball. Um, but I, I don't think that base market will pick up a ton. I still think that will always be the general stock for most of these guys because they're common, they're they're liquid, they transact a lot. Unlike a limited card where it's hard to establish a value, the the base card, the prism cards are used to see generally how a player's prices change. Um, and if, you know, it's it could be difficult sometimes because when Luca Prism pop twenty thousand goes down a little bit, his national treasures to ninety nine or Prism Blue could be rising. Um, so it's not a general indicator. Uh, of some of the cards on the market, but that's it's it's a baseline to use for for every single player. They all have their base prism rookie cards, and that's just I think that's going to stay as is. Um, but generally, I think the people who got into the market that's how they transacted because it was easy. That's how they invested in players because it was easy and they were available. And now that you know the ones that have stayed in and have learned more and have dove, taken a deeper dive in have probably moved on uh, from from that type of era quote unquote of cards and are now on to bigger and better things. And I think that's how it should be and how, I, how, you know, I think it should have gone. Um, but I don't love base cards, never have. Uh, I still think they're, they're good indicators of a lot of the stuff, but no, I don't really see them resurging. Sure. If Luca wins a championship next year, his base prism will be worth a lot more because that's Luca's market as a whole. Uh, but that card was just, and same with the Giannis, the Giannis prism hit $7,000 during the crazy madness, six to seven grand, um, really more like five to six for, and there was a couple sales that hit up to seven, but, and he won a championship and he didn't even get back to half of that. I mean, it's, 
everything just got too crazy when you know what Andrew's referring to with those two thousand dollar Lucas when Giannis does it seven thousand and so um, the market I think the industry not the hobby shout out Jesse at PWCC the market slash industry has uh, I think has gotten smarter. I got to ask you industry. It doesn't work, man. The market, the stock folks have that. The industry, I, I think of, I, think of like I don't music. Mind the industry, the industry, industry. Like, the industry could be anything. If you're in, if you're in music, you call it the industry. You know, if you're in sneakers, you call it the industry. You know, I mean, if you're in cards, you call it the the, the hobby. People know it's what you're hobby. talking about. It's the hobby to me too. I just wanted you guys to know that I watch your episodes. That is yeah, all. hell with that. We, I, we love you. We love no, you. Rips is good people. Rips was super excited when we came to your booth at National. We'll talk yeah. about that. It's not, this isn't going to be I, a. Food. I owe Rips money because I I did I did one of my biggest deals on Rips' table. So you owe like a little royalty. He, I he, do. He, I, he, I, he, I, owe, like, I owe, Did I send you? Did I give you something as a as a thank you? I think I threw you a card. I think I did. I, de- I, I denied it from you. I don't know. You, I, I, did, I tried to throw I, him a little like you know like I a dealer, ta- a blackjack I dealer tip. I would have taken something from Sasha, but not from you. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's add some value. Let's uh, share share some good stuff with the community here because we want them to to also leave this episode feeling like th- their time was well spent. And Rips, we've talked. If you guys want, go back to any one of the three episodes we've done with Rips. Tons of information, knowledge, market behavior, all that stuff. By the way, Rips, before he jumps into the value here, <laughs> that was Dad smacking us. That was Dad slapping us on the wrist, saying, "All right, guys, you know we." We're not providing any value for our audience here. You hear this? Let's let's let, let's. Hey, Kate, shut up for a second, and uh, let's get some value to our audience. All right? Okay, good. let's let's see what kind of value you got, Andrew. I'm gonna put it on mute for a second, and uh, let's see what you got. What do you got? Uh, let's get some value. He's in rare form. We've done a kind of a marathon day to day, so it's it's cool. You're warmed up. You're ready to go. But no, I want to hear. You started collecting at 12, 13 years old. You're 18 now. What? Why did you start collecting? Was it for the money? Was it for the passion? Was it a combination of all that? And has that changed <laughs> over the years? It was for the sixth grade girls. <laughs> it it could have been. It could have been right because, like, at twelve years old, he Rips didn't have the success he had now. Yeah, he bought Kawhi, Giannis, and Otto Porter Jr. and went sixty-six percent. It's a good thing you hate school because that's failing in school in investing your uh, seven-figure. You know what I'm saying? Oh my god. <laughs> What? But tell me. No, no. <laughs> what I want to hear. Energy today on this podcast. This is a, good, this I, is a very good energy here. What I want to hear. You know, talk about F one cards. If you started like when you when you initially got into it, was it a passion and you know you you loved collecting and now you have this huge collection? Are you looking at it more professionally? Like I want to have a fun. Has your passion wavered? Has it changed? Or are you still in it? You know, for the same things. And I'm curious what you were in it for when you were just 12, 13 years old? Good question. So everything with sports cards, like for me, ever since I was very, very little, was very into business and selling and entrepreneurship and selling whatever I could. Madden mobile coins to my friends in preschool, I mean, not preschool, kindergarten, elementary school. Like I was I was always selling whatever I could. Um, and so two passions, like my only passions I've ever had still. Uh, and they, so yes, they remain as sports and business. And as a kid, this is the best way to put those two together. And I got, you know, my friends and I always ripped packs at recess and went to each other's houses and traded cards and looked through all of our binders and would trade this Jose Reyes tops card for this Jose Batista, like all like just started it purely for fun with friends as a passion. Um, 
and I just really loved it because I loved negotiation, which is what all this all of this was at the you know very core, and stuck with it. Um, fell in love with you know we had a local card show in White Plains that I went that I that I used to go to a lot, um, selling things on eBay, winning auctions, selling stuff, and watching the final auction. Like it's just watching the the timer tick down. Like it was all just so much fun, and I, I stuck with it. Um, and then you know that real click is when I invested in Giannis and. Over the next couple of years, it really took off. And so that gave me freedom to keep playing this game and built it up to what it is now, which is amazing. And so, yes, the passion lies, you know, fully at the beginning. It was only out of passion that I that I got into cards, uh, passion and, and fun with friends. And it, it turned monetary unintentionally, I would say. And then, you know, a year, two years ago, it really turned financial and, and money unintentionally. Um, so it's, it's definitely a hobby turned business, not a business turned hobby. And it was definitely something I love to do for fun and still love to do it for fun. And now there's much more financial benefit than, than I could have imagined when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. The script for this episode says insert cage here. So this is where I have to ask when you first came on episode one, um, you were talking about, um, the Giannis cards. And you, you first came on, and you know you had invested in Giannis, and you were you were a hodl on mm -hmm. uh, on Giannis, right? You Remember, were, you he showed us Cage the PayPal, uh, yeah, the PayPal yeah. invoice where he bought to the, the moon, right? Giannis so, still, Giannis Prism BGS ten for two hundred bucks. Right. So you had all these cards, and at the time, right, that was right around the time the Giannis base was six seven thousand dollars. I'm sure you were getting some crazy offers, or maybe we're thinking about selling some cards. Any offers you regret not taking? Any any moves where you're like, oh man, I should have liquidated my Giannis? That even though he, he's won a championship now since and proven you correct, and you've been memed because of it. I'll uh, <laughs> you know, thank you, Lameem James. Um, you know, do, do you wish you would have sold sooner? You happy? You think they're still going up? Talk to us yes. about that. Yeah, my Giannis investment. I'm still very happy with what I have. Um, I am a firm believer with any investment, with any player, anything like liquidate it or get get yourself as many get like with me i get as many as i feel comfortable getting um so i was able to get a few Giannis's and sit, if i get a few kobe whites and a few rj bears whatever it is um and then i like to sell over time so that way it's harder to regret stuff like that if i have one big you know that's why it's a part of the reason why i like to have a lot of bigger Giannis cards instead of one or two gigantic ones and i have some really large ones too that i'm fortunate about but that way you know after Giannis wins uh, once he gets the first all-star game, I can sell a few. And after he wins, you know, after he wins a couple playoff rounds, I could sell a few. And then if he loses and that, you know, when he lost to Toronto, I was like, all right, you know, I sold a couple. It's not the worst deal in the world. I still have a lot. I still believe in him. And so, you know, throughout this playoffs, I sold a couple of them, nothing crazy. Cause then I figured, you know, if he lost, he'll take a dip. Um, and then I'll say, okay, at least I sold some. And if he doesn't, then I still have a ton. That, that's always my mentality is just to kind of peace out over time. Um, I average and average out. That's yeah. a bit really important moment here. Average in, average out, right? We always hear dollar cost averaging with like Bitcoin. Doesn't matter what the price is. If you put a hundred bucks uh, every week over time, it will play itself for long-term investors. Same concept comes with selling. So it's a great point. Yeah. Yes. That's a good way. Some of, you've of sold it. too soon and some you wish you would have sold earlier. I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, it. So yeah, I, I was buying Giannis rookie always at three at thirty bucks, at three hundred bucks, at three thousand bucks. I mean, it's I still think he's a great investment. I have, I I didn't sell after, I've sold I sold like two rookie autos at the national, um like I still 
I didn't put I didn't bring my biggest Giannis cards to the show. I didn't bring my all my prism stuff. All my I I put like two cards out there for crazy prices, um, but I kept most of it. I think if anything, the, the his championship solidifies him as an even safer investment for me. So I'm more than happy to hold on to this stuff and and longer term. I think he's not close to done. I think he hasn't. I mean, I think we're in the first inning. <laughs> Cage loves that one. Uh, it's my favorite. Yeah, I think that I'm so much happier and it's a weight off the shoulders holding so many of his cards, knowing that he did what he did. Um, and then the second part of that is not only do I think there is still a great long-term investment, but call call a Giannis prism, call call his Beckett, Andrew brought up the uh, Beckett 10 silver prism that I paid like $380 for. Um, let's check the invoice right here. 350 sorry. There we go. Oh, it has my address on there, but it's all right. Maybe we should uh, not do that. Uh, but anyway, $350. Like, it's, it's right, right now, it could be like $60,000, $80,000, and it could make a ton of sense to sell it. But also, what's the worst case scenario if it drops down to $30,000, 30, $40,000? Oh, what? You know, I, I still make $30,000 if, if that's like a worst case scenario longer term in my eyes. And I'm like, you know, I just like holding on to the stuff. Still love Giannis. Um, didn't sell many. Um, and it's, you know, his market, it, it's a it's a weird spot on him because people ask me about it. And they say, you know, his prices took a small bump temporarily. He's, he's still not doing like incredibly uh, from after what he did in that championship. But when Mahomes won his first Super Bowl, I mean, his stuff stayed flat for quite some time after, a few months. It actually after. dipped a little bit right after the Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he, his, his stuff dipped, and, and now months later and years later, like, this stuff is just, like, miles from where it was. I mean, Listen, it's, let's it's take it a different way besides just the Giannis. You actually do practice what you preach. I remember reaching out to you uh, the beginning of the basketball season when you were listing Trey stuff for sale. Yep. And I was like, what are you doing? You don't believe in Trey? It's like, you're like, no, I believe in Trey, but I have a lot of Trey, and I want to yeah. consolidate some Trey, and I want to move some Trey, and – you, you couldn't have asked for a better season than what you got out of Trey, yes. and yet you were still smart to sell some before the season yes. started. So, yeah, I sold, I, I've sold several trade cards recently. I love him a ton. I think he's amazing, but I also have so much, so little into a lot of these cards where I want to hold some of my best ones and my favorite ones as investments, but the ones that I'm up so high on, you know, I'm, I'm fine with parting. Uh, and so, yeah, Trey and Giannis, those are my two guys. Giannis, I think that he could very well take a nice price jump soon. Um, I think it's just going to take people time to kind of hop on it like it did with Mahomes. Same, they're, they're very similar situations. Giannis is 26, Mahomes is 25. Different ages, obviously, when they won. Um, but same concept. And I think that Giannis is probably due for a price hop, I hope. Uh, but also, if it doesn't, it doesn't. And I still love him long term. And, yeah, same with Trey. I was comfortable selling cards that I was cheaper into and taking profits off the table. Um because as much as I believe he can take off, he could also not, and he can get hurt or something can happen. And so I want to make sure that I made the most of certain opportunities. All right, so let's pivot into the national a little bit, right? You were there as a collector, but you're also there as a dealer. You got a table. Give me some interesting stuff that happened, something that surprised you, a card that came up to your table that you weren't expecting to see, a deal you made, a card you sold. You don't have to get into the prices or whatever it is, but something that you know, something that happened that was unexpected. Yeah, the national was great. Um, every person I, I spoke to, including myself, was overwhelmed. And you spoke to yourself. <laughs> every person I spoken to, myself included. I, yeah, but then he'll still tease me. No, um, no. 
Okay. You, you, you <laughs> Allow myself to introduce myself. Um, <laughs> everyone. Introduce my name is Ho. H to the O-V. Oh, he's dropping bars. Look at this guy. All right. So everybody was overwhelmed by it. Everybody. Yeah, everyone was overwhelmed. Time. It was it was over my expectations. It, it reached, you know, and exceeded everyone else. Like, I just heard the general consensus that it was a really good show. Um, I was expecting a lot more trading to be going on. That's how the Dallas show was beforehand. That's a, I thought that everyone would kind of be there to trade, bring some high end stuff. Want to want to because the Nationals a spot, both, you know, as far as value goes, and it, like people go to the show wanting to get big cards. They fly out, they get excited, they look forward to it for months, and they want to come home with something really fun. And I thought that they'd want to get rid of the old and in with the new, and they'd want to make trades, and people would still be hesitant to spend cash, but. What it seemed to be was that people were actually saying, all right, you know, the market just hit a low. Everything's pretty low, you know, re- lately. The so the staple cards are not doing super well. And this could be a really great time to go and buy up some cards because they still believe long-term in the hobby. Um, and so I, I think that's what happened, and that surprised me. Uh, as far as something specific, I thought that I, I thought I would see more camera crews, but I, you know, there, was, there were a lot of camera crews. I didn't. I thought I would see more. My I would have hit the under on that over. On I mean, I bet the over, and it, I think it hit the under. Um, and so far, stuff that walked up to my table, some really cool cards. I don't want to name anything in particular because some of the guys are like more private. But I was able to meet some really cool guys who had some crazy stuff that is not on social media, which is always a fun part of this because people come out, you know, whether they just found their collection or they just realized that the stuff is worth money over the last couple of years or. Um, they, they don't, they're not savvy online. Like this is somewhere where a lot of guys go just collections. Sometimes it's not worth a lot. Sometimes it is. Um, but I was able to see some really cool stuff that just had not surfaced online. Um, I made some, I mean, I, I made some pretty fun deals, some great trades, nothing crazy shocking at the booth. Although I don't know if we want to dive into it, but I saw a deal go down on paper with Mr. Cage <laughs> and Sasha passing back and forth. Like I, I like being able to see this type of stuff in person. And that's the whole fun of all these. What did you think of Cage's negotiation strategy? I was away for the majority of it, and that's why (laughs) this deal happened. But I was there for the end, and it was fun. Um, You know what's funny about it? You know what I saw? Rips is an authority in the hobby. So as I was getting to my number by adding more cards into it, I probably did not – I probably did not do well. But I was looking to liquidate so I can go and buy money, right? You know, buy buy other cards with the money, right? So there was one card I threw in, and Sasha – holds it up and looks to, to Rips for approval. This one here, should I be taking this card? Should I be taking this card? And Rips gave him a, an emphatic nod yes to the Trey color Trey match at a, 20, at a 299. Yeah, that got put yeah. into the deal. Um, and, you know, that's the fun part about the deals, right? I mean, people don't know what else you have. Like, I happen to have a purple Trey at a 75 PSA 10. So uh, the red was a little more expendable because I have uh, one of the PSA 10 purples. Um, the red's cool because it's a color match, but it's at a two ninety nine, right? Which is rare, but not as rare as a seventy five. So I mean, you know, so to me, I didn't value that one as much as somebody who might be flipping it the next yeah. week. So, but it was fun to see. Hey, Rips, what do you think? Should I had this one to the deal, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good deal. Yeah, I mean, I'll, what you just reminded me of is like something that surprised myself is that I just loved dealing so much, where like people would walk up to me with like Justin Herbert cards. And I, I'm not a gigantic football guy. I know, obviously, he's a stud. Um, but cards where I'm like, you know, they want this card and they'll add a Justin Herbert card in some cash. Or, and I'm like, you know, that Herbert card is cool. I could sell it. 
I, I like this Trey Young card more, but hey, like I want to make it. Like it, I just like making deals. Um, it's it's a lot of the fun for me. And so I walked. I came home with two Justin Herbert cards, um, and they're both sold, which is nice. And so a lot of the times it was me taking a lower value card and money, or a couple lower value, like usually like a really solid card and some cash to get a better card from me. And I would take the money and put the card in the booth. And a lot of the times those cards just sell. Like it was a very it was a very good show as far as moving um, inventory. Like again, nothing insane, like no crazy YouTube worthy deals, but like uh, it, it was a lot of fun. And I definitely, I was very pleased with how many transactions were going down. And I saw like, I would, I would get back to my hotel cause I, I'd be busy at the booth and walking around and talking to people. I get back to the hotel and scroll through Instagram and see like, Oh my God, like this Zion moved and this Jordan auto moved and this Kobe, like there was just a lot of, a lot of really cool deals happening. So I'm curious if we could shift gears real quick. So put your business hat on, you know, investor rips is gone. You mentioned you want to be a businessman. You love business. You want to be in sports. What do you make of this tops? No longer getting them MLB license. Fanatics are getting it. What do you make of that from a business standpoint? What do you make of that from what effect that will have on the hobby? Well, I think it, goes with everything that competition is very good for industries. Um, I think the same could be said with PWCC versus eBay and Tops versus whoever and Tops versus Fanatics. Like all of these companies and they're going to be forced to improve one way or another, because you know that if you don't, you can quickly fizzle out or quickly not be as desirable. Like if I would imagine that I think it's awesome news, by the way, like it's just fun to see this type of stuff happen. Tops is obviously much more traditional. I think it's 70 years now. Um, and now Fanatics is coming in. I, I, I looked at it quickly. I think it might be like Fanatics gets in in 2023, but Tops doesn't expire until 2025, like something like that. Uh, but I think it's fun. I think it's cool. I think that um, it forces, you know, now that maybe Panini, maybe they're fighting for Panini's license and Panini doesn't want to give it up. And now they have to fight to make better cards or more desirable cards or take more customer to their customers into account more. Like maybe, you know, uh, Fanatics wants to make much cooler cards and they want to level up compared to tops and what they've done. And so they make way cooler cards and that forces Panini to kind of adapt. I think all that stuff is pretty fun uh, and exciting. I think that Fanatics is obviously a huge brand and they're not as established in cards. And so how they do that is going to be cool. Um, they, they are have, established in memorabilia or jerseys, yes. apparel. So Yes, huge. They, they have a lot of big memorabilia clients. It's going to be fun to see what they do with some of their exclusive athletes. That's something to look into. Um, I just think that the more competition, the, the stronger things will get long-term. I mean, there's with cards, there's thousands of companies that have come out over the last year of explosion in, in sports cards. And that's going to force the best ones to really level up and they'll stay in, in two, three, five, ten 10 years. And the other ones will fizzle out. I think it's the same type of deal. Uh, and I'm excited for that type of competition. Cage, your Yankees are in second place. Baseball is your sport. If you really were to go pro in any sport, it would have probably been as a first baseman. What do you make of this deal? Thanks. I think <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, thanks for not saying I would have been a tight end. Bum, bum, bum. So, but yeah, I mean, look, it is what it is. Um, I'm excited for it as well. A little nervous. I'm excited for it as well. Um, 
it reminds me of that that uh, you know that period of time where let's call it 2012 ish, where you could get both the Prism Russell Wilson rookie and the Topps Chrome Russell Wilson rookie and 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 the like, you know, where you have two licensed cards um, and you're able to choose and you actually have direct competition. You will have that for a couple years of overlap now in baseball because um, Topps still will have a license to produce that for a while. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, a lot of things can happen to now in 2025. Um, keep in mind, I have been through an expansion of the hobby like this before, and I watched uh, 1989 go from just Tops, Donruss, and Fleer to 88 score come in, 89 upper deck come in, and the expansion of a million brands with Skybox in basketball, um, you know, hoops, and, and then the mergers of those brands after the fact because not all of them could exist and, you know, pinnacle and, you know, all of these, you know, small brands, classic for draft, you know, classic for sports. And I mean, it expands and then not everybody makes it and it contracts again. And then, you know, you have some, one of those things. And, and that happened over the course of, of, of five to eight years. Yeah. The hobby went up and the hobby came back down, you know? Um, so who knows what the hobby industry market, whatever you want to call it today, Jesse, um, just don't shill it. Um, you know, everything's fine until we, um, you know, we get to 2025 and, um, you know, we see what the market is like, but maybe, maybe fanatics at that point in time doesn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> maybe they want to go back to their roots. Who the hell knows? Um, it's really going to be interesting to see what the fallout in the hobby is. I, I one thing uh, I love about the hobby is, is continuity, right? You can, there are rookie people. There are, there are flagship people. There are set builders. There are people that I know who, who have built every top set in whatever grade and role, whatever it is. That's what I do. I buy the top's baseball set. You know, is top still going to make a set? Is top's going to go the Panini route and make unlicensed baseball cards? I mean, are they going to do that with no uniforms? Um, will people buy those? What's going to happen to the, you know, the, the pricing and the valuation on that? Will tops now go full bore at Panini and go after basketball? Um, you know, they now are going to have a lot more money because they're not spending it on baseball, you know. So there's a lot, like everything else in the world, there's a lot of questions. But it's exciting. It's cool. Another example of money coming into this stuff, right? It's a new player with big money, big pockets. Uh, Rips, what I think you, you do two things really well. So I think you're able to evaluate an investment and know if something's underpriced, overpriced, or fairly priced. But I think you also do a really good job, like the way you were talking about, these are the cards I want to bring to National. Oh, people are going to want to buy modern more. So I'm going to bring more of those. You think through consumer behavior. Okay. And if we go and pivot and talk about NFTs real quick, right? You've been into them, I don't know, a few months. It's hard to evaluate an investment with something so new, right? You don't know what something truly is worth, but you are really good at understanding consumer behavior. Talk to us in the first few months that you've been dabbling in this. What have you learned about NFTs? Well, sports cards as a whole have 100% helped through that process, meaning that you can be very, you know, in sports cards, you can be very bad at it and still be decent. Like, it sounds weird, but um, there, was a, there, was a t there was a period in cards, this is what I mean. There was a period in cards where you could do just about anything, buy something and grade it. Buy something. There was a period of time where you can do pretty much just about whatever you want in the market. Wait a week, two weeks, a month, two months, and do. do you could throw it. You could throw a dart and hit a bullseye just about anywhere. There you go. Yes, and I think that was a very temporary thing. And the same thing 
in my eyes, at least from what I see, is kind of applying to NFT. And now we saw like a really good and and huge growth and then a just gigantic same in cards. Like there's so much out there now. Where We're entering they, a junk they, NFT era. Go ahead, say it. Coin it. Be the first one. I don't, it's, it's, I it's a supply run. I think what, it's, it's not an well, era. An era is a decade. Like, yeah, sports cards and NFTs are two things that I believe in super long term. Obviously, one, I think, will one, one of them is a much smaller thing than the other. NFTs, I believe, are going to do a lot more for the world than what we can see right now, where sports cards are not going to transcend technology. Um, very different asset classes, but I believe in both of them in a very big way. But there's like, there were times in cards where I knew exactly what I wanted to do and sometimes where I didn't and sometimes I wanted to stay away. And the same thing is kind of applying to me now. Like the only, I mean, people think that the card market moves fast and like, Oh my God, the Jordan was 720 a month ago and now it's only 280. Well, like that's how NFT, I think every with NFTs probably every day is like a year. And with sports cards, probably like every month is like a year. Like NFTs just moves so much faster. It's incredibly overwhelming. I mean, I was telling my friend the other day, like NFTs is like a 24-7 sports card national, but you can see every transaction that goes on, who bought it. Like it's all it's all so crazy. Um Caden jumped on here before today's episode and he was like, oh, Rip, so uh, you bought this guy and oh, what about this guy and this guy I see? It's just, it's... I'm in his wallet. There you go. Every every transaction, it's 24-7. There's no downtime. Um, Prices can go from in Ethereum-wise 2 to 11 to 4 in... 24 hours easy like and i've seen the ethereum it's based on is also slingshotting around this so so not not right. only the price is moving around like crazy but the the, the you know the the currency that it's the price yeah. is based on is also whipping around in both yeah directions. so as similar as it could be to cards in many ways there's just so many differences and it's so hard to keep up with and there's millions of nfts that are popping up and only it's the same with cards when 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 a family friend calls me and says oh i have this i have ten thousand cards and I, I'm, they're all from the 80s, and I kept them in the binders. I'm like, you know, 0.001% of cards are worth money, especially from that era. And with NFTs, I think with the millions out there, it's going to be 0.01 that maintain value longer term. And I think we're both we're waiting for both of these situations to play out. Like, there's no way that a Jaron Jackson – I mean, there's no way Jaron Jackson – I'm going to name a bunch of random people I come up with. Jaron Jackson, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield – um kate cunningham trey young Kristaps porzingis like these guys have to be hall of famers to maintain the prices that they're at now and so i think in nft it happens a lot faster whereas sports cards these guys have to have a whole career um in order for this to see how it pans out that's a benefit in my it's a benefit and the con in my eyes it, it could go you know both ways but in cards i mean you can bet on just on, on Jaron Jackson being in the league for 15 years. But if he doesn't have a better career than Chris Bosch, I mean, that investment's not going to mean much. And NFTs, like, flipper flops happen in, like, what, a day, two days, you can tell, hours sometimes. You can, with, like, like, with Jaron Jackson, you could see his career trajectory and still be able to sell off at some point there with NFTs because they're so volatile like that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's bizarre. I mean, there are things that you can do incredibly well on, but it's a small percentage. It has to be done with caution. I'm still not, I'm not confident. For me, I always like being knowledgeable with what I invest in. And I, this is actually the main issue with NFTs. I love being knowledgeable with what I invest in, with what I buy. I love having like a, a, a somewhat of a strategy, but with this type of stuff, it just happens so fast and prices move so quickly and people move quickly on it where a lot of the action has to come before you can be fully, you kind of have to get in the driver's seat before you know where you're going. And that's an issue that I don't like uh, and I'm trying to figure out how to deal with. Uh, whereas with cards, you can kind of know where you're driving first and then hop in the car. I don't, I don't think it's in some instances it could be the same, but this is just a very different ball game. Listen, uh, and NFTs, you're getting in the driver's seat. You don't know where you're going, but you also got four lunatics in the back seat yelling, you're going to the moon. That's where you're going to the moon, to the moon. That's what happens. And yeah. you get, you get caught up in the craziness. Really do. Really do. I'm with you on it. Rips, I've been, I've been, it's been under, it's been like what? A few months that I've been to NFTs and to like, I've been in sports cards for like seven, eight years. And with, with cards, and with cards, I was a, I never sat down and learned about cards and like studied the whole market and that like it just I grew knowledge over several years and that's why I think I'm able to be successful and and very fortunate with it. Whereas NFTs, like you don't have the it, it's just you have the time to learn about what they are and what they can do. But with all these individual projects and there's so many of them and it's just it's such a different beast um, and it's very very fun. There's that same, you know. There, there's something called minting a project, which is where you get to buy on the initial drop for a cheaper price. Um, then, then sometimes cheaper. Yeah, sometimes you you get to get in on the early stages. That's uh, of the projects and buy for the first time after the release. Exactly like opening a, a pack of cards. You could open a two hundred dollar pack of Prism and get nothing and sell within there for a dollar fifty, or you can hit an Anthony Edwards gold and move it for thirty thousand um, dollars, or you can get. You know, something that you're like, eh, I'll sit on it for a little bit and see what it does. And either Siku goes to the moon or he doesn't. Um, it's a it's a very it's a very similar concept. Uh, a lot of gambling, a lot of knowledge. There are guys that are looking <laughs> at this. Sports card community hasn't really indulged in the market yet, which is you know there's still a ton of hate because it's tangible versus non tangible. Um, but I think eventually people will really get to like both of them. Uh, but my goodness, it's it's a crazy world, and I wish that it moved a little bit slower for me. What's a, what's a day in the life of rips? Like, like how, how, and when do you do your research? All right. So wake up at 2 AM, go to the gym until four. No, I'm kidding. You're like, that's oh, Andrew's life. Yeah. yeah that Come is back, Andrew's life. Have some avocado smoothies, then <laughs> little kombucha run on the beach, take a salsa class. Yeah. I don't, climb a palm fine. tree. Drink, drink, drink something. <laughs> <out of laughs> crackle. All right, crackle. I don't how do you do? How do you do your research? You know, is it? Are you going to shows and you get a pulse that way? Are you in Discord? How do you learn? Or are you just I a Vietnam like, genius? No. So I, I feel like I'm not credible enough to speak on this, but I'll do a little bit. Um, <laughs> credible meaning I'm just I'm so new in it, and people you're incredible. You're incredible. So go yeah. ahead, come on. We have confidence in you. Out with it. I mean, it's it's very difficult. I mean, you have to look at the communities around the project, which is Discord. Um, and how active it is, how the project goes, how, how, how the follow, like if there's 10,000 of something, which is really the main project for the main number for most of these projects, 10,000, 10,888, 
10,255, 9,888. That's that's a very baseline number for NFTs is to release 10,000 of something. Um, and if there's 900 members in a Discord, which is their community, or if they have 600 Twitter followers, I'm like, you know, that's probably not that's probably not the best bet. Um, and then I look like it's it's just so hard to tell. A lot of the ones that have these large communities, when you go to buy them, it's much more difficult because the demand is so high, which means that you have to pay more to get your transaction done, which is called gas. Um, so many of the, a lot of the times where I find a project I like, even out of principle, I don't even like to pay the gas fee on them, which is me paying to get the transaction in faster so I can get them. I don't like to do that because it just lowers the upside and makes it so much riskier. Um, gas fee is so, like grading, by the way. You have yes. the card and then you have the PSA slab and they raise the prices on you when there's more demand. And this is just, you know, it's a, a lot of correlation between the two. Yes. A lot of correlation between the two. Yes. Why do you think the, why do you think the, the card community hasn't uh taken to NFTs? Why do you think that there's this like visceral reaction, even though at the same time when you're at national, it's it, 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 people are talking about it and they're so similar. Why do you think the card community like I brought this up for a reason because I do think that there's value for the audience. Why do you think the card community hasn't adopted it? Because um, the pillars of that community are not going to make money off of it. I'll say it, Rips. You can't. Because you don't grade NFTs, because you don't ship NFTs, and because the marketplace for the NFTs is currently already set. So the major anchors out there, auction houses, grading companies, platforms for selling things, breaking companies, are all non-existent in the NFT world. There's no logistics, there's no returns, there's no shipping it to somebody, there is no grading it, there is no selling it on a secondary platform, there is no yes, opening it. Very true. Stuff. But a, a lot of people like all of that. A lot, like I like to, I like to negotiate with someone, figure out a, a fair trade, or trade value, fair trade or a sale price. I like to go package it up and go to the post office and drive there and get my receipt and go home and send it. Like I like that type of stuff. You do. I do go into the post office. I like the pro I like mailing things. Yes. You I, like, I like packing. I like packing stuff and, and like taping it out. A lot, a lot like, of people like packing what? Kids love going to the mailbox and opening the package and waiting for the mailman to come. Like a lot of people don't like that and stay away from it. My mailman's weird. Oh, <laughs> he's just a weird dude. You know, I could see why dogs attack him. Well, look, I, I, I think that a lot of people like the liquidity and quickness of the nft world where a lot of people don't um nfts are very new uh the same thing like, sports car i'm a little bit surprised that people haven't gotten into a little more and I'll, I'll try to explain what i think a little bit is that cards have such more established value in the, in the past i mean they've been around for hundreds of years they're a legitimate you know they've been around they're not they're not brand new a lot of the stuff that goes on is new but People have been into cards with their parents and with their grandparents, and um, it resonates with a lot of people. There's, there's no, you know, you know, the, the nostalgia aspect that's there with cards may not be there with NFTs quite yet. In some ways, it is, but not really. Um, a lot of people with cards, they are, they always say, you know, same with me. I, I love, I'm a cards first guy still, of course, and um, I like that they're tangible and you can take them out and flip through them or 
and stuff like that. Some people say like, oh, you know, I love cards because you can't hold your stock. And the same thing's kind of with uh, NFTs. Um, of course, you can look through them, but in in some ways it's it's similar. But people love the tangibility of cards and don't want to take that step into the metaverse, non non tangible world. Um, but mostly, and a lot of people do really well with cards, and they don't want to fix what's not broken. And so they don't want to step into this world because they're maybe they're scared of it or they don't want to learn about it yet or they don't want to lose them. They don't want the potential of losing money. I mean, if you've never lost a ton of money in cards and you've been doing very well or generally have done well, I don't blame people for not wanting to step into that. And so a lot of the people in our community and in, in the sports card world over the last couple of years, months, whatever it is, have done incredibly well. And they don't want to you know, spend time doing something that they're not as sure about or they're not as passionate about because cards are easy to be passionate about. Um, given the whole background and, and people getting into it, whereas NFTs, like, they don't want to start looking into it because it doesn't interest them. I mean, their favorite athlete on the card, watching that game, watching yeah. Trey, watching Trey Young as you're playing, yeah, and and being able to, like, it's fun, it's exciting, it's something that's easy to 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 be in love with. Whereas NFTs, it's not determined by anything other than you know the the supply and demand aspect and and people. I mean, you could have really the same way that you know you could be really passionate about someone on the development team of an NFT project. Like this guy's the this guy is the Luka Doncic of NFTs. I don't even know if that exists, but there's probably some crazy mogul of development and tech on the in NFT world. And so, I mean, I could see how that type of connection works. But people like being able to know what's going on, track what you know. They, they, there's nothing more fun than having a Giannis card in your hand watching the Bucks play. I mean, it's just awesome. And there's no, for now, there's not really a comparison, you know, maybe, maybe we were, we were talking about this before, maybe like a lot of these NFT projects come out with games or with movies, you know, none of the NFT projects have really developed, it's all so new. So maybe in five years, there's a huge movie that comes out and you have like the main character in it. And that's when it can be fun. Like, oh my gosh, I have the original, I have the original deadhead of this guy and he's the main person in the movie. And like that type of stuff can be, where, where it gets fun, but for a lot of people in sports cars, it's just still so new. And Can I, I throw something out there, Rips? For, well. you, you may. For for our sports car listeners, right? It's not an or, it's an and. Man, I've been actually thinking about that a little bit more um, and why I think the NFTs are, are you, you've said it, you know, almost like life-changing tech, right? Why I think it's going to be interesting. I envision a day, and this is, I've not really been in the NFT space for that long. And, you know, I'm, I'm testing and I'm learning and I'm, I'm researching. Here's what I would do if I were Panini. Right, starting next year, starting whatever release comes out on the back of every card, I put a QR code, put a little code on it that you scan in, it links to your wallet, and you have an mm -hmm. NFT version of your card. Every single card has an NFT mirror to it, it's part of getting that card. Right now, why would I do that? One, it gets people into NFTs, you know, obviously, Panini's already in that space, but two, more importantly. Who among us has not seen on Instagram or Twitter a post? This card was stolen. This card is lost in the mail. If anybody, it's difficult, guys, because this isn't a serial numbered card. But if anybody sees this autographed card of, of Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, it, it was lost you, in the you mail. You brought back bad memories for it Rips. He had to out someone one time for a Giannis Auto. I remember right. that. So, so yeah. let's talk about the Giannis Auto card, right? So let's just say, you know, you're. Let's say you are selling a Giannis Auto to somebody, right? Yes. And you also happen to have a NFT of that. As of just basically, 
it shows confirmation of ownership of that card. It's got a serial number that's attached to the back of the card. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blockchain version of the serial number. It's not a numbered card per se, but every card becomes a numbered card because it has that blockchain NFT attached to the card. Now, when you sure. make a transaction to sell that card, right, and you sell it to somebody, you also will transfer that NFT with that card because that's basically the documentation. That's the Rolex paperwork mm-hmm. you get with your watch, the Patek Philippe, whatever it may be, when you get that watch. Now, even those documents can be forged. NFT can't, right? So you transfer that over. Now, a lot of the bad actions in the hobby, the stealing of cards, the mm-hmm. you know the theft at the show of the Luca 101 or whatever the heck card it was, and you know somebody stealing stuff in the mail, this card is lost. Yeah, it will cut a lot of that out because on valuable cards going forward, if I'm a buyer, I'm going to require that you transfer over the NFT with the physical card. And it's going to make it much more difficult for somebody who thieves the card, somebody who steals the card, somebody who's not in possession of that card and the NFT to, to obtain full value for it. That's just, I mean, just over the top of my head, one use case for mm-hmm. NFTs going forward that is applicable in our hobby. At least that's what I think. Yeah. It makes complete sense. First of all, like we, there's no way to ignore. Sure. Like there's a big, there's risk with shipping and with theft and cars, but my, like, the, the amount of theft that happens in the NFT world is beyond anything comprehensible in cards. Um, I mean, it's scary as heck knowing that if someone gets your seed phrase or your secret phrase now for, for your wallet on MetaMask or if you send, if you click the wrong link, I mean, there are people that are, that, that live and it's their job to steal things from other people. Um, and, and I mean, People lost in, I read an article that in Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher's NFT drop, like uh, stoner cats, people lost $800,000 trying, like not being able to get the NFT they wanted. Like there are accounts that get hacked and wallets that get hacked all the time. And if, if there are people that have a hundred crypto punks in their wallets that have not been accessed in three years and like people who just, there, there's so much risk on both ends. So sports cards, of course there is, but not to, I, I don't think this the risk is anywhere to where it could like NFTs is a scary world as far as like losing your stuff. People get hacked all the time. Um, if you're known, if you don't know what you're doing, it's it, you're extremely vulnerable. Um, don't click anything, click nothing. Yeah. Don't click somebody it. sends you a message that you've 1.08 Bitcoin. You yeah. did not win that. You're about to right. lose whatever it is you have. Don't correct nothing. You don't get anything for free in NFT world. But what I'm saying is that. There's so much scamming that goes on on that end of things where it's really scary. Also, it could be it's also with you know what happens if you know you live alone or, or so like it's a huge turnoff to not to not be able to recover your NFTs or, or your your cryptocurrency or something if something happens. Like what happens if what does living alone have to do? With it? <laughs> because because what if you just live alone and something happens to you? All your stuff is gone forever. You can't give it oh, to your right. wife or or to your your kids or something like that, or you don't know, you don't know what knows where you hid your secret phrase, like something like that. No. I mean, sure. I didn't know where you were going. I mean, oh. you're, I mean, people, somebody living yeah. alone. I didn't know where yeah. you were going. Living alone. I think NFTs and cards are going to combine sure enough. And I think that could very well happen through fanatics. Um, so thank you. Uh, that's sitting right in front of our nose. Do you want to take that away? Cause a lot of people listening, might be like, Andrew, why did you even bring us down this rabbit hole of yeah. NFTs? I hate you. This is supposed to be 10 for 10 talking about national. 
But who owns Fanatics and who also owns Candy? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Mr. Michael Rubin. Michael Rubin. I mean, these people are beyond smart. They're they're on top of like, there's no doubt in my mind that Fanatics is going to do something big with this type of stuff, and that these people are whales in in these industries. And I think once there's a significant, innovative, monumental thing that happens between cards and NFTs, that's when we could possibly see a lot of card friends get into that space. Um, I just there's so much to be done. I think something like what Cage said with the tracking and security of cards is a big thing. Um, it doesn't have to be digital or physical. You don't have to be into cards or NFTs or stocks or real estate. Like everything could go. To, they're all opportunities. Um, and there's pros and cons associated with all the industries. But like just because I love cards doesn't mean I can't explore and enjoy and profit on and lose on NFTs. It doesn't mean I can't buy a house and, and rent it out it doesn't mean you know all of these are very relevant and valid and i think that there's no nft collecting and card collecting is very similar in so many ways it's the same blood it's the same you know you can pull a really cool thing in nfts and in cards you can invest in nfts on the early stages like you can in cards with players i think it's bound to happen um but it, it could happen further down the road or it can happen now but i think that and Panini's tried it. Tops has tried it. They've done all right. Nothing crazy. But now that I think Fanatics can play a pretty big role in that. I think Josh Luber is involved with it, who was at StockX and isn't there anymore. And Michael Rubin, who's, I think, the founder of Fanatics. And uh, Goldberg mentioned Candy. And that's the collegiate NFT plat- Like That's the, the platform where college athletes um, are going to make and, I think, sell NFTs. And Gary Vaynerchuk's on that. And so there, it's, I think we're going into a new type of ball game with that. And so could that be kind of the, the beacon that, well, I don't know if beacon's the right word, but the, the thing that gets sports car collectors into NFTs very possibly. I have one more question, Cage. You got anything before we wrap? Yeah, is always a state, buy a condo in Mexico. I know somebody who will rent from you. I think Miami is kind of a cool place to buy. Miami or Tampa. It was where I would look. Tennessee. Okay. All right. So it's just, do you like Tannehill, Tua, or Brady? Well, you don't buy real estate where there's good quarterbacks. You buy real estate. It's a good reason you, as any. You buy good land. You, got good, you buy good property. So You need to purchase arid soil. Rips. 2020, <laughs> 2020 NBA draft class. Kind of reminds me of the 2013 NBA draft class. Yeah, LaMelo's good, but LaMelo isn't great. Edwards, personality, but average player at best right now. Uh, what? Who are you looking at? Who? Um, what do you make of this draft class? And two-part question, talk about who you'd be buying up before now and uh, the beginning of the NBA season. Um, so I was – I knew – this is by far the draft that I've known least about, to be honest. Um I was not super on top of it. I think as the league, as people go away from just NCAA and they go to G League options or other league options or overseas, it's harder to keep track of like a lot of it. Um, you know, like now not every card is on eBay. And so you have to look at other places and it's hard to keep track of all the sales. Reminds me of what I just said about the draft and it's harder to keep track of people at all different spaces. Um, so admittingly, I've 
am much less knowledgeable on this draft class. Uh, what I do like to do, our, our guy, like, there's no doubt that Kate Cunningham or Jalen Green, like, these guys could be stars. They also could, may not be. Um, but what I do like to do is kind of cover my bases. I like to see them play. Like, we also, we had a weird, still with COVID, we had a weird service. I mean, a weird, um, I can't think of the word. We, we Weird, uh, we didn't get a right amount of exposure to a lot of these guys. Um, a lot of them we didn't get to see a lot of. I wasn't paying yep. attention as much. Sample size, that's it. We didn't get yep. a, a lot of sample size. Because you didn't get to see them in college. You didn't get to see a March Madness the year before. Right. right. It's just – it's a little bit of a weird situation. But what I like to do is, is I get a better feel for these people. Not – you know, I doubt I'll go all in on one of these guys. But if there are five guys who I really like, maybe I'll get, you know, a Red Prism or an NT or something. Like, just take, take some chances on some of these guys, cover the bases so that, you know – Again, highly as far as long term goes, it's highly unlikely that several of these guys are Hall of Famers. That's not what you should be betting on this early, but it's good. It's a good chance to get in on early levels and and investing guys that that you like. Myself, I don't want to give any particular names because I barely know them. I'll get I'll get more into it, um, but it is harder to track. And I think you know, especially now that NCAA NIL is happening, like that's going to be fun because now a lot of these guys may go back into like now. They're probably going to be. That's a big mm-hmm. move for the NCAA, and I'm really pumped. I think if I'm a if I'm an Ohio State basketball fan and I've got them going into my Elite Eight, now I can buy Buckeye cards and then sell them in the. You know, I can buy them before the tournament. Or if I like, if you like St. Vincent, or not St. Vincent, St. Mary. Um, if you if you like FGSU two years ago, you can buy them before the tournament starts, and then when they get past the round of 32, you can sell off then, and then after the Sweet 16, you can sell some off then, and then, you know, I think that's a really cool. That's really fun. I'm excited about that. Um, and potentially being able to collect collegiate cards, but that was not anything close to what your question was. So I just went off somehow. Uh, so I don't know enough. I don't know enough. <laughs> By the way, he actually asked about the draft year before that. But but listen, if you don't like the question that gets asked, Rich, you just answer whatever you want. I mean, oh, we were talking. Were we? Oh, we were talking like that. we were talking Lamelo. He, he asked Lamelo and Edwards, and you went into this year, uh, which is fine. You know, I don't think any of us really know much about these guys. You know, yeah. what I mean, but but listen, I liked your answer for what it's worth. I think it was a great answer. I I think we I think we should just let it be the way that it is. That's, yeah, it's great. I, I think I think it's <laughs> tough. Edwards is really good, but he's not like the Timberwolves have a wonderful team on paper, but they are just never able to make much of it. Um, Carl Anthony Towns was my play. I think who, who's the whose cars have been beaten up the last year? Who's yeah. still a double double threat? Yeah, all star, one of the best five I best. Like, I like I like D'Angelo a lot too. I mean, I think they have a really good team, but it's just they don't always stay healthy. Cat's gone through like obviously, Cat's gone through some big personal stuff, and he's I think even one point he said like he doesn't he's not like loving basketball. Like, it's just a tough it's a tough team. Jared Cole going to turn it all around now though. We're all good. He, he traded. He got traded. He's at, he's at the Grizzlies. Uh, yeah, they have Bledsoe, which is even worse. <laughs> Bledsoe, went, Bledsoe went to the Clippers. Oh, Another yeah, episode with Rips. Not- if nothing else, Rips is a better investor than me. I know basketball better than Rips. I'm gonna I'm gonna be happy with that. That's Any final words? That's enough. Take it. Take it and run. I mean, I would rather have a seven figure Giannis collection than know a few things about basketball. I think it might be eight figures. No. <laughs> All right, Rips. We're, I mean, everyone knows they can find you at Rips Cards on Instagram. Any fun things going on? Anything you want to mention before? How we many autographs did you sign at the National? 
I was not asked for any of them, but I signed more than more than enough and gave them to people. <laughs> he was um, volunteering autographs to people. No one was asking. He was just a, he, <laughs> he was just he was, here you go, here's an autograph. I got an autograph. I love it. I'm thrilled. That was one grade of the it. things that took home. I'm gonna get a grade. grade it. Yeah, HGA. <laughs> I am. HGA will grade it. They'll grade it for me. Let's go. Let's go. go. They're gonna say your auto is a grade like a six though. Sorry. Um, no, it's a good signature. <laughs> Whatever. Thank you, everybody. I enjoyed under an hour. This might be like our first time hitting that mark. Um, That's it. Nice job, Rips. I appreciate it. Nice talking to you guys as always. This episode of Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze was brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. Take it from someone who has personally submitted thousands of cards for grading. HGA slabs just hit different. They're top of the line and color coordinated to match the card itself. The aesthetics are unrivaled in the industry. When paired with the ease of submission and the transparency of the pricing model, HGA stands alone as the best choice for grading your cards. I believe that once you try them out, you will agree. Thanks for listening, Luca Nation. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Luca's Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.